All right, here we go on a Sunday morning in Las Vegas. Just after 8 o'clock, I'm Brian Feldman, and this is Out of Line. We are here live, same time, every Sunday on Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM, flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights. We are coming to you from the Wisden, also known as Spencer's Studio in Las Vegas. I'm going to get this right today, Spencer. We are here because we've been booted from the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp Studio until further notice due to COVID protocol. Joining me on the show is social media director, Spencer the Wiz Ostrovsky. Nobody beats the Wiz. Nobody beats the Wiz. Um, that's right. The Wiz has his own theme music. Trust me, he's earned it. And social distancing back in the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio is producer Chris Chapman, a.k.a. Magnum, who, aside from producing a number of shows at Lotus Broadcasting, is the locker room reporter for the Vegas Golden Knights Radio Network and the home pre-game show host for UNLV Football on our sister station, ESPN The Leader. The show is also streaming on the LV Sports Network, and you can watch the show on Facebook Live and YouTube. The page is called out of line that's o-u-t-t-a-l-i-n-e follow the show on instagram and twitter at out of line fox lv and since we are live your calls and questions are welcome the fox sports residential bank corp studio line is 702-876-1340 hi this is bubby and it's time for what's on tap on tap is brought to you by title sponsor residential bank corp whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you already own residential bank corp is the company to turn to for all your home financing needs residential bank corp funding america one neighborhood at a time now offering twenty five hundred dollars free to everyone and anyone who qualifies for a home purchase loan in the state of Nevada. Call 702-964-5720 for more information on tap the Vegas Golden Knights into a found Groove and the look to make it five straight wins this morning. Yes, this morning. You heard that right. One of the former voices of Vegas Golden Knights Radio, Clayton Hamilton, will be joining the show for our final tribute to ballpark Frank Harnish. The running Rebels are a couple games over 500 with one game left before they start their conference schedule. And 10 months after an accident that could have ended his life, Tiger Woods is back on the golf course and in position to win today. What am I talking about? Stick and stay. COVID is the word in sports again, and because of that, the Raiders didn't play yesterday, but will play tomorrow afternoon instead, and week 15 in the NFL, um, only 10 games being played today, and uh, Roger Goodell stepped in and made some changes to pro, uh, COVID protocol. We'll uh, talk about that in a little bit, too, and Steph Curry broke the NBA's all-time three-point record, and will officially say goodbye to 2021 as this is our last broadcast broadcast in this year uh, that is what's on tap if you are looking to buy a home or refinance the home you currently own choose a company you can trust residential bank corp funding america one neighborhood at a time and again right now residential bank corp is offering nevada home buyers twenty five hundred dollars towards closing costs for anyone and everyone who qualifies for any home financing program call 702-964-5720 for further details let's get right to it spence nightcap Hockey players, as you know, are warriors. They don't give up. They come to play every game. It's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here. Now Jonathan Marcheseau goes wide, moves in on Georgiev and scores! The quick hands of Marcheseau. Brian Strom must score to keep it alive for the Rangers. Moves in on Brassois. Save Brassois, it's over. The Vegas Golden Knights continue their winning streak as Strom is stopped on the last shot. Yeah, he tries to beat him to the leg. Yep, beat the Rangers 3-2 to two in that shootout. VGK, 19-11-0, currently second in the Western Conference's Pacific Division, only two points behind the Ducks, and the Ducks have played two more games than the Golden Knights, and they're only two points away from being tied for the best 
overall record in the conference that's held by the Minnesota Wild and Anaheim. Uh, Vegas Golden Knights, 19 wins is tied for the most in the conference. They have won four in a row and six of their last seven. Magnum, this team is gelling, brother. They're looking like a, they're looking like a team and a force to be reckoned with. Um, not a real pretty win over New Jersey, but they got the win. And again, they could have easily lost this game to the, the Rangers. As good as it comes right now, they are playing great hockey under Gerard Gallant. Got to see Ryan Reeves go up against his old team. But peeling back all the layers of the onion, the best teams and good teams find ways to win. And right now, that's what the Golden Knights are doing. You know, that that first goal in the second period, or I should say the um, second goal, the first goal by uh, – you know, last night by, or I should say Friday night by the Rangers, was a really bad goal that Bersois gave up. Granted, he was shielded a little bit by White Cloud, and it was a really nice goal throwing it between White Cloud's legs, but still one I know Bersois wished he had back. He could have given up on this game. He continued to play excellent and, sh- and stopped all three shots in the shootout at the end of the game. Really bodes well for him and for this team. Two solid goaltenders and a team that's really starting to come together, getting healthy and all gelling at the same time. Well, yeah, I mean, Brossois has played really well when, when he's been called upon. And, uh, you know, I think that's kind of what the Golden Knights were hoping for when, when they signed Lorraine Brossois, that he would be a, a, a very serviceable backup, which he has proven to be. I don't know the specifics of it, but he's probably one of the top backups in the entire league right now, the way he's been playing. Look, they gave up two goals the other night um, to the Rangers, Zabanajad, and then the Kreider power play goal. Um they get the they get the big goal from Dylan Coglin to tie the game in the third period, and you could kind of feel that they were going to score in the third period and tie that game. Um, the second period was was really the only bad period they played in that particular game. Um, you know, this team is starting to play very well. They won a couple games before they went out on the road trip. They beat the Wild in in what was one of their better games of the season. Then they beat the Bruins in Boston, a place they had never won um, in their history. Granted, only three games previous to, to, to that game on Monday, but they get the win in Boston. Look, they've got six points on this road trip. Their game is coming up right after us. The pregame starts at 10. So the reality is, Brian, this team has a real chance to go 4-0 on an East Coast road trip, which would be absolutely unheard of in, in this day and age for 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 cuz I don't think they've ever done that on this particular road trip. They always seem to stub their toe. I'm a little concerned about today's game. I'll be honest. I think I think the Islanders are going to bring bring it because remember, this is the second time these two teams have played this season. Of course, the Golden Knights look a lot different today than they did when they played the Islanders back in October. But I think you're going to get a very very motivated Robin Leonard today. He obviously, if you follow him at all on social media, you know he has a a very deep love affair and affection for the Islander fans and the Islander organization. He's made the comment that they saved his life. Um, look, and and I think Robin Leonard is going to go out and he's going to play one of the best games he's probably played, maybe in his career, and that's saying something because he's played. He's a really really good goalie. Um, so today is going to be interesting. I think I think we will get a, a pretty good effort from the Golden Knights. I think they're going to want to win this one for Robin Leonard. And and look, I, if they come back from this, first of all, the road trip's already a success. You get six six out of eight points on a road trip, you're already ahead of the game. If you get anything after that, you're just putting icing on top of the icing on the cake because. Generally, when you go on a four-game road trip, you, you're, you're looking to, to basically go 50-50, right? Break even. Give me four points. Maybe maybe we're able to sneak in an overtime game and get a fifth point. If they go eight for eight on this road trip, I got news for the rest of the Pacific Division. It is over. Everyone's going to be looking up at this team come the middle of January. If they're assuming there's an Olympic break, who knows at this point, but... I'm not basing it all on one game, but right now there's nobody in the Pacific Division playing better than the Golden Knights. Anaheim, I don't I don't have the faith that they're going to stick around. They're young. I think at some point that's going to catch up to them. Uh, Calgary is going through some things right now. Obviously, a ton of players and personnel within the organization in COVID protocol. 
Um, so they're on pause. Edmonton looks like a team that's that's starting to, to bleed a little bit. At some point, you have to have more than just McDavid and Dreisaitl. I don't see L.A., San Jose sticking around very much. I said last week, when this team gets Jack Eichel back, they are on paper the best team in the NHL. They are putting the league on notice this right this road trip that, yeah, you should have buried us when you had the chance because we're getting healthy. We're also going to get a top five player in the league in a few weeks. They're, they're all going to be chasing this team. They're all going to be looking up at the Golden Knights. And I think if we had said that, maybe by Christmas, that this team would be in first place when all these injuries started to happen, I know I would have said, look, they just need to tread water. The idea that they could possibly be in first place by the time Christmas rolls around a week from yesterday, I think that speaks to just how good this team is. The the leadership, the coaching, the the depth of the organization. I mean, look, they were they 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 played a line. They played six guys that are basically AHL guys. I'm going to see the Henderson Silver Knights today. There's going to be a bunch of guys who got significant ice time with the Golden Knights in that particular game today. It, it, it's unbelievable the job Pete DeBoer has done. He deserves all the credit in the world. The, the George McPhee, Kelly McCrimmon deserve a ton of credit because this team, not only were they able to keep their heads above water, but they've actually been able to make up ground on all these other teams despite the fact that they had a ton of injuries and a 1-4 and four start, Brian. No, no, Chris, you know, a lot said there and a lot of things I want to comment on. Uh, no question. Six points to this point on the East Coast road swing has been tremendous, especially when you consider a couple of teams they've beaten. I mean, they started before they went on the road trip, beating the Minnesota Wild at home, coming off of a kind of a bad loss to a poor Philadelphia team. And everyone got a little concerned. They beat Minnesota. They go on the road. Boston and the the Rangers, two of the better teams in the National Hockey League, both fell to them. And now, like you said, this could be a letdown game, but I think Leonard being so motivated to play the Islanders, I think they're going to win this game. And then they come back for a long homestand. I think there's one break in between like seven or eight, nine games eight out of nine at home coming up some good teams. They've got Tampa Bay coming into town on Tuesday, the two time reigning defending Stanley cup champions. That'll be an exciting game. They haven't been playing their best hockey, but you know, Tampa Bay at any given time, this team can can play lights out hockey. I'm looking forward to it. And going back to last night's game, uh, Chris, you know, one of the things I want to talk, first of all, really cool to see Brett Howden get a goal. You love seeing when a player gets a goal against his former team and, and Howden is still a really young guy, 24 years old. He's only played for two teams his first three seasons with the New York Rangers. And then he gets to come over to score that first goal. And it was a nice goal too. Uh, got his own rebound in front of the net and, and put it in uh, really, really quick and looked great, but it was really cool to look over on the other side of the, on the other bench and see Gerard Gallant standing behind the bench. And of course, Revo Ryan Reeves on the bench, but love seeing Gallant having the success with the Rangers that he's having right now. I think everyone here will always pull for Gerard Gallant, so love seeing him getting this opportunity and a Rangers team that could really make some noise throughout the rest of the season and of the postseason. And of course, Ryan Reeves, we all know Gerard Gallant had a great relationship with Ryan Reeves, really liked him here. Reeves never spoke anything but pure respect for Gerard Gallant, so it's kind of nice to see the two of them on that Rangers team, but it was nice to see uh, the Knights get the victory the way that they got the victory, especially in the shootout, to see Bro- Brossois go 3-0 and against uh, pretty tough players for the uh, for the Rangers, and then, you know, March or so, of course, Marchie to get the the, the the game winner for him in, in the shootout was really, really cool. As you mentioned, um, you know, Chris, uh, this team just really gelling, and one of the things I had written down here, so it's kind of nice you mentioned it, was the Henderson Silver Knights. I actually watched a game last night, um, you know, with them and looking at all these NHL players, he said, I'm seeing Jake Decision, who probably for two thirds of the NHL would be on their roster playing regularly. And here he is playing on the Henderson Silver Knights. You really do. You get a real treat if you go watch the Silver Knights play because there are five or six guys at any point in time who could be called up by the Vegas Golden Knights to play for them. And what great opportunity for those guys to get experience early in this season. So if the if they're called upon later on, if the Knights do have further injury issues, uh, these guys are ready to come up and play at the highest level right now. 
it's just been a really good year the way that it's panned out and also it's also showed the resiliency of this team playing really well well at both ends of the ice and playing the best I've seen them play this year and maybe ever in the neutral zone which has been an issue at times but really right now this team clicking on all cylinders and looking forward to this afternoon's game against the Islanders probably more so to see Robin Leonard what he looks like pregame he'll be very emotional as he know as we as Chris said the building the fans in this organization means so much to him so not a bigger game for Robin Leonard in the season than the one he's about to play in tonight I'm excited about this team going forward no question the sky's the the limit and you see the magic that Pete DeBoer can work he's a no-nonsense type of guy he'll shuffle the lineups he'll shuffle people in and out he'll shuffle people on and off the scratch list Pete DeBoer does what it takes to win and he knows how to win at this level and Man, you know, I've said a couple of times now, I thought, you know, last year at some point, I thought the first year that this team might be geared to win the Stanley Cup. I have never seen a team more geared to win the Stanley Cup. And as Chris alluded to a couple of times, when Jack Eichel comes back, people that don't know him that are a bit concerned about the injury and the surgery, trust me, everything's gone fine as far as we've heard. And he's scheduled to return in 2022. And the elevation of this team, once Eichel returns, you will see it. You will see it. If you haven't followed the National Hockey League and you don't know much about Jack Eichel, I strongly suggest Google him, watch some YouTube videos on this guy's skill set and ability to play at the highest level. As Chris said, top five player in the NHL. That's how good Jack Eichel is. And we're all about to get to get an opportunity to see that right here live with the Vegas Golden Knights. And again, uh, the next game is going to be this morning, 11 o'clock on the island against the Islanders. Big game for Leonard, big game for them. Man, if they can complete the sweep of this road trip before this long homestand, it's going to bode tremendously well for the Vegas Golden Knights. And I agree with Chris at any time they could, uh, you know, th- this team has the ability to just run away with the NHL. That's how good they are on paper, and they're starting to play that well. And also, I want to say that, uh, you know, 20 NHL games now have been postponed. Uh, roughly 10% of the NHL's 700 players are currently in the league uh, virus protocol it's insane a couple more teams on friday colorado and florida won't play another game until after the christmas holiday through next weekend um it's insane what's going to happen overall hopefully this season will play out hopefully they'll figure something out there'll be less postponements and you know hopefully the world will will find its way back to normality at some point in the future we'll talk more about that a little bit later on but i want to jump right now friend of mine on the show a guy that's been around for a little while in the broadcasting world we haven't heard his name or his voice in a bit but a big part of the inaugural season of the vegas golden knights and the the main reason we're having a uh clayton on i ran into him a couple weeks ago at an event we had for i should say tc martin put on for the late great ballpark frank harnish uh no one worked more closely with him uh the the last you know towards the end of his life than clayton hamilton and clayton he's on the show right now you with us clayton i'm right here brian Appreciate you, buddy. You know, we're, 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 we're my final show of, of 2021, and um, the last couple of shows, I've always made sure we're, we're mentioning Frank. We're talking about him. Uh, Frank, a friend of all of us. Frank, a no-nonsense guy. One of the biggest Chicago sports fans I've ever met, and also one of the biggest tennis enthusiasts I ever met. Clayton, you got a chance to work day in and day out with Frank for well over a year. Uh, talk about that experience, and if you can, give us your take on Frank Harnish. One of the things that I've always loved and appreciated about Frank is he works harder than just about anybody in this business. And it was really apparent during the time that we were doing the Golden Knights show every day and we were doing the pregame, the postgame, and the intermission reports. And most people don't know that Frank had a full-time job at uh, the radio station that was in addition to all the things that he did on air. And for him to be able to fit his full 40-hour week of doing other things, plus the 60 to 80 hours a week that it took to do the show, uh, and to do it with the energy that he did was amazing. Clayton, it was a pleasure to listen to the two of you guys, the camaraderie, the hockey knowledge, and you could tell a lot of due diligence and a lot of off off 
line, or I should say off-air work, went into what you guys did, and you could hear it. You were prepared for every broadcast. And as you mentioned, Frank, uh, I, you know, I, I got an opportunity to work with Frank a number of times on different shows, and you're right, just a guy that was regularly prepared, regularly into it. And, you know, people that don't know Frank and realize what he went through that first year, I mean, he gets his dream job working working uh, the brand-new hockey team, the expansion team, and he finds out he's going to be the guy in the air. Everything goes well. We find out you're going to be the, the partner. You guys get going. It gets up and running. And then here he is, Frank, on his way to actually a broadcast event, and he gets into this unbelievable car accident. We all kind of find out about it sporadically over a, about a 24-hour period. For a minute there, we don't know if Frank's going to make it. It's that bad of an accident. And the only thing Frank thought of, even after the accident, was he wanted to get out of the ambulance and make it to his broadcast. That's how much this meant to him. Talk a little bit about that, the accident, Frank coming back. And, and during his trying to come back, you talking to him, I talked to him a few times. Man, that was his only concern was getting back to get back to the night's broadcast. It was, and you know, it's, it's funny that the, you know the night on the New York trip because that's where Frank uh, broke his neck. He was on his way to you know, Parkway Tavern, and it was—I can't remember if it was the Rangers or the Islanders—but they played back-to-back nights, um, and and that's who he was on his way to. And I remember going to the hospital after after the show, after the game, and and talking to him, and he. And Frank is the kind of guy that like, he felt bad because the nurses had to come by and waste time thinking his bandage. <laughs> he was just like, no, I'm okay. And, and you don't have to change my bandages. And the nurse like, I really do. And, and, and he just wanted to make sure that everybody else uh, in the yard ER was taken care of. And what's crazy about Frank is like Frank, he, Frank should have died like nine times already before I even met him, the stories that he had about crashing his motorcycle and, and taking his own tooth out with a steak knife because he didn't have insurance and didn't want to go to the dentist. Like, he was just, he was just tough. And, and uh, the doctor had showed his, uh, the break that he had in his neck, and he broke, I think, the V2 vertebrae, which is the, the, ne- the, the vertebrae that breaks when you hang someone. So, like, he survived the hangman's break. Like, that's how tough Frank was. It's very well stated, and it's not laughing. I'm laughing because Frank wouldn't appreciate the way that I'm laughing. Frank was just a man's man. I mean, this guy, when you thought of an athlete or sport, I mean, you know, here's a broadcaster, but injury, you know, you got to know the difference between pain and injury. And and the only thing that kept Frank off the air was was injury. Pain wasn't going to keep him off. If Frank was told, hey, I can broadcast from my hospital bed, and they could have figured out a way to do it, I talked to the guy twice during that thing. He would have done it. I mean, yeah. this guy just just wanted to do his job. He didn't want anyone f- prodding over him. He didn't want empathy. He didn't want sympathy. He just wanted to get back to work. Frank did not want to be. It's funny because most people, Clayton, as you know, you know, in this business, we want to be the center of attention. That's what you mm-hmm. do this for. That Frank was a guy. It wasn't about being the center of attention. He just wanted to talk about sports, to be a part of it, to, to for for what he did to be meaningful and and for everyone to get entertainment value and enjoyment out of it that was truly ballpark frank harnish uh like i've never seen before it wasn't about the notoriety it was about the opportunity and that's what frank loved and uh and 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 clayton i know as a person and as a sports broadcaster i'm gonna miss the hell out of frank i really Uh am his is sarcasm his humor and like i said what makes me happy is i know every time i do this for the past week i know if frank has any way of hearing it or seeing he is pissed as hell at me for calling all this attention to him right well, well exactly he's like why are, why aren't you talking about sports why are you talking about me and and that was that was what was what was so great about frank and what i what i love too is his his willingness to experiment and try new things and we started doing that daily show about a team that didn't exist. And so we had to kind of think about, okay, how do we do, how do we do a show, a hockey show about a team that doesn't exist? And he was always willing to, to sort of reach out and, and try to, to get as many cool and interesting guests as we possibly could that had any sort of relationship to hockey because we were in, we were a new market. We were trying to meet people from all of the other teams. Nobody knew who we were. And so when we would re- sort of reach out to people, no one had a frame of reference 
for for what we were who we were or what we were doing, and it never really sort of deterred Frank from from trying to make the best show possible. And and he always was very welcoming and accommodating, no matter you know what sort of crazy guest I I found for the day that that could fill a little bit of time for us. And and I've always loved and appreciated that about Frank. And one of the things too that was unique about him was that he didn't care if you disagreed with him. He never got upset. He never took it personally if you had a different take or you argued with him about something on the radio. At the end of the day, he would say, that was a good show. That was a good conversation. And we had we had a lot of people sort of in and out, sort of filling that third chair for the first the first year, and there were a lot of people that we worked with that if you if you disagreed with them, they would take it personally and they would they would grudge it and it would be a thing for two or three or four days where they would just be mad at you for thinking that you know Marilyn Miller was maybe a better combination than than England and Miller, you know, and, but not Frank. And Frank was just interested about good radio and and you disagreed with him as as long as you could articulate why you thought that. That's all that mattered, Frank. We are talking with Clayton Hamilton, uh, talking about Frank, the late, great Frank Harnish, a good friend of ours, a longtime broadcaster, broad Nevada broadcaster, Hall of Fame member. And uh, no question, Clayton, when you think about Frank and you talk, you talk about it, Frank could be argumentative. And you, as you said, he didn't care. He was going to express his point of view. And I always say, Frank, to describe him, passionate but even keel. And that was Frank. I mm-hmm. mean, the bottom line is you could not, you couldn't knock him off the block. You know, Frank will take it. He'll throw back, tell you why he feels the way he does. And at the end of the day, if you agree to disagree, it's okay with Frank. And like you said, a day later, he'd sit in studio. You never knew that he was disagreeing with you the day before he didn't carry it. Frank did his job. And, uh, and Clayton, so did you, uh, you know, I want to tell you, I really appreciate you joining the show, but before you go, give us if, if you can, not to put you on the spot, your, but your favorite memory of Frank Harnish. Oh boy, my favorite memory. My favorite memory of Frank Harnish was is probably that, for as much as things didn't bother him, there was only, there was like one or two things that he just couldn't stomach. Like for the toughest guy in the world, he couldn't stomach. And I and I remember one day I was eating lunch, and I had a pickle, <laughs> and I I bit into the pickle and it made this you know the crunch sound that a pickle makes. And he was like, "What is that?" And I was like. Pickle Frank, and he's like, "That's the most disgusting thing. I, I can't even. I can't even smell it. I can't smell it. I can't look at it." He's like, "Like the whole vinegar smell. It, it just. I, I can't even be in the office right now. With that pickle. Like, don't ever bring a pickle in the office again." And that was like the only thing that he ever got really, really upset about was the smell of a pickle. And that's it. That's the only thing that bothered him in the entire you know years that I knew Frank was the smell of a pickle. And, and I, to this day, I think about Frank every time I see a pickle. Oh, I will too now. Learn something new about Frank Harnish. Once again, Clayton Hamilton joining out of line here in Fox Sports Radio this morning to say our final farewells to Frank Harnish. Sorely missed. And Clayton, I really appreciate you taking the time out, getting up extra early on a Sunday morning for us, and uh, appreciate hey, all you do uh, and, and, and you have done. I have a quick question for you. Did you ever go any place with Frank? Frank didn't know someone? You know, Clayton, that's a great question. I can't. The only time I can think of, and it was the only reason he didn't know anyone, because we were kind of hot. Frank and I, Frank liked the, um, back in the day, he liked the uh, the buffet at the Red Rock, if you remember, the Red Rock mm-hmm. Casino. He would like going there. And I mm-hmm. actually ran into Frank and his brother. at, at, at the, I was there with my son. And we sat and talked for a couple hours, and nobody came up to the table and said anything. That's the only time I can really remember eating dinner. And, you know, there were a couple people looking from a distance, and I know it wasn't recognizing me, so it was probably recognizing <laughs> Frank Harnish at that point. But you are right. Frank was uh, recognized and beloved wherever he went. Wherever I, I we said I don't think I ever went anywhere with him that he didn't know somebody, whether it was somebody in the crowd or somebody that worked there or, or somebody that, that didn't want you know a few minutes with him, and he was always so gracious, you know, no matter how crunched our time was uh, to make time for everyone, and and I will miss uh, Ballpark Frank, and and I'm really just sad that uh, his nickname Frankie Blue Lines never caught on. He, he hated that. We, we tried so hard to make Frankie Blue Lines a thing, and he he just wouldn't have it. 
I always think of him. I thought that from the day that I met him, I thought Ballpark Frank was the most perfect nickname for anybody I had ever met. And uh, and he was and will be and will always live live with all of us that knew him as Ballpark Frank. So glad he was able to get to the Nevada Broadcasters Hall of Fame. So his mm-hmm. name will always be around. And uh, Clayton, really appreciate you joining the show and sharing uh, memories with Frank with us. Uh, anytime, uh, Brian. Uh, you have a uh, great rest of your day and uh, enjoy the rest of the road trip in the homestand. Appreciate that. Once again, Clayton Hamilton, and he was there with Frank. I had the dream job, man. The first year, the inaugural season of the Vegas Golden Knights, we all got to see history made, and Frank and Clayton right at the center of it all, and I know how much it meant to both of them working together. They did a great job. I got an opportunity uh, to sit in with them a few times. I, I did the uh, the Vegas Insider show with Frank a couple times, and uh, and like I said, man, just uh, just a true pleasure, and uh, great having Clayton. It was great seeing him a couple of weeks ago at the event to, to say goodbye to Frank, and it kind of made everything lighter. It was really good to see a bunch of friends there. Um, listen, we'll transition over from that into UNLV basketball, and I'll talk to both of you because UNLV right now, guys, 7-5, and five, not a great win over Omaha the other day, 84-71, 13-point win, but, um, you know, Omaha came in one and nine on the season. They or they were expected to lose that game. Bryce Hamilton led all scores with 26 points. Royce Ham Jr. finally played a little bit better than he had the last couple games before that. Had a double double with 16 points and 12 rebounds. But from what I have seen, this team will go as far as Bryce Hamilton takes them. They'll for sure need help of the supporting cast, guys like Donovan Williams, Royce Ham Jr., and Jordan McKay. But uh, Spence, I'll talk to you first and foremost. And, and Mags can get in. You're both alumni here. Um, I didn't see the game, go to the game against Omaha. I did do the game against Hartford last week, but um, I was getting, we were, Mags, I know you were involved in a little email or a little uh, kind of a, a messaging chain on Facebook Messenger uh, with a few of our friends talking about it, and they were at the game. I don't know if you were, but it sounded like it was a disappointing effort for UNLV. I still like what I see on the floor this year. I love what the what Kevin Kruger is doing initially. But are you concerned with this team looking at some of these wins? I mean, a 13-point win over a one-win Omaha team. I mean, this is a team, realistically, UNLV should have probably beaten by 25 points if they're going to be any good this year. Spence? Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I think um... – it's it's they're in a strange place because they're kind of a veteran team. Royce and Bryce Hamilton, the two leaders, like the two definitive leaders of the team, they're both seniors. So uh, you would like to see them play a little better because next season, it's I feel like they're going to take a step back. Now, could they take the next big rookie, the next Anthony Bennett? We, we know how it turned out in the NBA, but still in college, you know, he's a highly touted recruit. Can they get those kinds of guys? I'm not sure, um, but they should be playing better right now. But you know, I, I want to see them play against some of the better teams. It, sometimes it's easy to be lackadaisical against some of the, the worst teams. You know, you just kind of go into it thinking whatever. It becomes a little harder than you think it is. But overall, you know, I think they're they're heading the right direction. And, you know, hopefully they can get to some tournament. But uh, it's going to have to – they're going to have to build upon their performances. It's still pretty young in the season. So I, I'm going to reserve my true judgment until I see a, a few more definitive games from them. Well, Wednesday will be their final – uh, game of the season before they start the Mountain West Conference Tournament in 2021. Actually, be the finest 2022, the final game of the year in 2021. We all expect them to probably beat San Diego University. That'll put them. That'll put them at eight and five going into the Mountain West Conference schedule. Probably about where they would expect where they would have expected to be looking at their schedule to this point in the season. Chris, I know you're tied to them there. You know we watch UNLV. I think we all really have a, an attachment to Kevin Kruger that we feel this might be the guy to get this program turned in the right direction. You know, he played at UNLV. His father, a legendary, will eventually be a collegiate Hall of Fame coach, um, you know, and it, here to help him out, to give him guidance. I like what I'm seeing, but yet it is some, some there is some concerns. The point position, uh, you know, Jordan McCabe, a high school YouTube sensation. Man, he looks so good against Wichita State, making passes where they're comparing him to Pistol Beat Maravich, which I thought was kind of humorous. But but still, he did make a couple of exceptional passes. He is kind of, you know, yesterday, yeah, double digits uh, in the last game against Omaha. But this kid has got to play better for this team to play good because if all they're doing is relying on Bryce Hamilton, I don't know how far they can go. Well, there, there's a lot to, to digest here, Brian. Uh, look, you, you mentioned if they beat San Diego, they go 8-5 and five in non-conference. And, and here's the problem. 
they beat all the bad teams on their schedule. Look, I don't I, I, I know San Diego usually has a pretty good program, so I'm not just gonna chalk that in as, as a W, especially if it's only Bryce Hamilton that shows up in that in that particular game. Um the, the the problem is they beat all the teams they were supposed to beat, and outside of Wichita State, they were blown out against all the good teams on their schedule. They probably should have won the Wichita State game. Look, I won't get into the the the, the issues with the officiating at the end of that game and the absolute garbage. Actually, I guess I am getting into it and the garbage calls that probably cost the Rebels that win. But look, they were competitive for a half against Michigan. You and I were both there, and the Wolverines are not as good as projected. They were they were projected to be a top five team. They're clearly not a top five team. They were absolutely demolished against UCLA. They were blown out by San Francisco, who while are a good team for a WCC team, it's still University of San Francisco. They haven't been relevant since Bill Cartwright was was manning or was was playing center for them. Yeah, they have a couple banners in their gym, but so does UNLV. The reality of the situation is my concern is this was supposed to be a very good defensive team. We were wondering where the scoring was going to come from. And for a couple games, we saw Donovan Williams be that number two guy. He went for, what, 31 points against against Hartford? Another atrocious team. They blew out Seattle. They struggled for three quarters of the game against, as you mentioned, the one and nine Omaha Mavericks. I'm not so sure they beat San Diego. It'd be a nice win for them just heading in to the, to the conference play. But look, that first game is your nemesis, a team that has basically dominated this program. As much as Rebel fans don't want to admit it, San Diego State has dominated this series and this rivalry basically since Steve Fisher's second or third season at San Diego State. Now you've got Brian Dutcher, and it's like there, there's been no drop-off with the program. Sure, they don't have a Kawhi Leonard, but they are still the team to beat in the Mountain West Conference. This is not the joke garbage program that it was previous to Steve Fisher where they were winning seven games a season. They're going to come in here and they're going to, they're, they're, if they bring their fans, and you know they will, New Year's Eve in Vegas and then you follow it up with San Diego State UNLV, what's going to sicken me is that there's probably going to be more San Diego State fans at that game than there will be UNLV fans. And I don't like that as an alum. And the other thing is, I keep hearing people aren't showing up because of the vaccine mandate. Oh, I don't know why UNLV did that. Look, stop the nonsense. They had games at Mandalay Bay. Nobody showed up. They they had games under TJ Otzelberger. Nobody showed up. That's previous to the COVID year. Nobody was showing up during Marvin Menzies. It has nothing to do with the vaccine mandate. That's just an excuse for idiots who don't like Steve Sisolak and don't want to see the Rebel program succeed to, to, to use. The reality is fans haven't been showing up for the better part of six or seven seasons. Stop with the excuses. If you don't want to go, don't go. That's fine. But stop with the excuses about the vaccine mandate because those same people, they weren't showing up in 2015. They weren't showing up in 2016. Now all of a sudden they have the built-in excuse. Look, nobody's telling you you have to get the vaccine. But if you want to go to games, you're going to have to do it. So these people with the excuses, stop. Just stop. But... I digress. I, I I don't know where this program is heading. I don't know if they're getting any impact freshmen. It seems that this team's going to go through the transfer porter every year, and that worries me because every season you have to find a new group of players to gel and mesh. And some seasons you may hit, and some seasons you're not going to hit. I don't know where the foundation is going forward. I like Kevin Kruger. I like him a lot. I've known him since he was a senior at UNLV. I just don't know where the direction is. Look, I'm not going to pile on and say he's he's not the guy. The reality is I don't know if he's the guy or he's not. As much as I like him and I want him to succeed, I just don't know where, where the foundation is going forward. And you're probably looking at another season where you don't get postseason play, and the reality is you're probably not good enough to be a postseason team. And things can change once you get into the conference, right? Maybe you win a couple games. You're not supposed to. But this team hasn't really shown me that they are a good team just because they beat Hartford or Seattle or Whittier by 8,000 points. That's not what matters to me. What matters to me is who they, how they play when they play these top teams that they had on their schedule. And the reality is, Brian, 
they weren't very good against those good teams. Well, you know, as you mentioned, Chris, they they could have and should have beaten you to uh, Wichita State. And even though Cal is a, is a lousy basketball team, let's call it like it is, they are a Pac-12 team. So those were two decent games. But you're right, the, all the games they've won are games that even the Cal game were, they were expected to win. I think Wednesday is going to be a good measuring stick of where they're at right now, and then they'll get a week and a half off before they start conference play, as you mentioned, at home at the Thomas and Mac against San Diego State, who travels well. I don't think anyone's surprised, Chris, that that there's been no drop-off after Steve Fisher. I mean, Brian Dutcher has been with Steve Fisher so long that he's just about a mirror image of the guy. He's a defensive-minded coach. San Diego State, since Steve Fisher has been there, has been defensive-oriented, continuously one of the best defensive programs, not just in the Mountain West, but in the country. And that's what Brian Dutcher is. He understands defense, and he understands the oldest cliche in sports. Defense wins championships. That's why San Diego State is competitive every year. Yeah, they get guys like like Mitchell, who are great players, but also they play team defense. He teaches it, he preaches it, and they live it. And that's why San Diego State, again, is one of the best teams annually in the Mountain West Conference, and they will be again this year. But it will be a nice test for UNLV and a good parameter for all of us watching to see where this team is at. This this Wednesday against San Diego, and then, of course, when the Mountain West Conference Tournament opens up on New Year's Day versus San Diego State. I think we're all looking forward to seeing that, and that, again, will be a good measuring stick for UNLV because right after that, they go on the road for two games against San Jose State and then against Air Force. So they're going to want to play well in that game to give them confidence to go on the road. Uh, UNLV basketball this year? We will see. And, and like Chris said, the jury's out. Will it be a team that's going into the portal every single year? I don't know, but I think he had to do it this year based on the transition. He had no choice, and I thought he did pretty well in the portal. I mean, Donovan Williams, a guy who's going to be here for a few more years, is a guy that could develop into an NBA talent. That's a little bit far-fetched right now, but we have seen some tremendous scoring skills from this kid. And he's only, like I said, he's young. He's a sophomore in status. Enough of that. Uh, Spencer, it is time. Fact this. If you don't like the facts, take your ass back to bed. Fact this. Yeah, it is a fact. Less than 10 months ago, Tiger Woods was in a car accident and had to be extricated from his vehicle with the jaws of life by Los Angeles County firefighters and paramedics. His vehicle had flipped over several times. Tiger suffered multiple leg injuries, and many said he might never walk properly again, let alone play competitive golf. This weekend, he defied the odds and made his first appearance playing with his son, Charlie, at the PNC Championship. Pro-Am, an exhibition before an exhibition on Friday, and he looked good. He did. He seemed to be favoring his right leg, which he will probably always have to do from now on, but he compensated for it pretty well. Distance is one of the biggest questions about his game, but he hit his driver surprisingly far, and if he can do that, what are his limits? Spencer, I'll talk to you first. I don't know if you saw it. I watched it yesterday. I will tell you what. I got to say impressive. We're talking less than 10 months ago. This guy was said First of all, at the very beginning, we didn't know if he was going to live. Then we found out it was mainly lower body, but his right leg was shattered 10 months ago. I guess it bodes well for modern medicine and for having money and the wherewithal to get the best of the best to take care of you. Are you surprised, first of all, that's a loaded question because the answer is obviously yes, that he's on the golf course, but surprised he's competing. They are right now tied for fifth, him and his son, 10 under. Charlie is looks like a mini tiger. It's really cool. This kid is going to be good. His swing is flawless right now for a kid his age, but Tiger back on the golf course, man. I'm I'll amazed. I'll tell you this. No, I'm not surprised. I mean, physically, yes, but... There's nothing that surprises me about Tiger Woods anymore. That last time he won the Masters, I listened to a lot of coverage on it. They're like, this guy's old. There's no way. He's past his prime. And then he went out there and dominated. So no one loves golf more than Tiger Woods. No one's more dedicated to their body, I guess you can say. He's an adrenaline junkie, obviously, you know, going a billion miles per hour on a curved highway. So he, clearly he loves to chase that. But if there's any possible physical way this guy can get back on the golf course, you know he's going to play well. Because if he's not playing to the level that he wants to, he won't touch the grass. And that's, you know, what it is about Tiger. So anytime he's on the, the golf course, I believe in him. 
chasing the Stewart Sink team, who's the number one at 13 under him and uh, him and his son. But crazy, Spencer. They're 10 under. And if you get a chance today, everyone out there, check this out. I'm recording it. I recorded the Masters. I was still in awe of that. But this is mind-blowing right now. The Tiger is back out there. You can clearly see the leg is causing him problems. But again, he drove surprisingly far. And of course, the short irons are still there if he can get the body turn. The hard part is going to be the stamina to play on the PGA Tour because they're letting him use a cart in I this see. pro-am. He, he's not, the they're, they're not going to make an exception to let him use a cart in the pro tour. We've seen that issue before. That's not the way it works. So he's going to have to learn the stamina and be able to walk around a golf course minimally about six times a week i don't know if he'll ever be able to do that again tiger talking about after the first after his round yesterday he talked about his return and basically saying this whole thing was for his son guys i, I don't have it. you know you know that i mean it's just i don't have the the game of speed or any of that so i'm just starting to get back into it didn't know if i was going to play this event you know a couple weeks ago so i was hoping at uh uh, at the hero that I was able to hit balls consistently day after day, which I was able to do. Um, and then now play, you know, that's going to be the, the, the hard part. You know, it's going to be the challenging part. I can still hit short irons. I can still putt. Um, you know, that, that has not left me. Um, the, the speed and some of the shots, you know, the longer stuff has. After what I've been through this year, it's been a difficult year. So understanding that I, I'm not in golf shape, I'm not in practice shape, I'm definitely not in tournament shape. Hopefully that I'll, I'll get to that point again. Um, we'll see. Wow, is all I can say. It was just, it really was. Um, was it emotional? Bring tears, man. Nothing like that. I mean, you know, we all know this trials and tribulations Tiger has had throughout his career, uh, in his personal life, but this is nothing, nothing to me short of miraculous. When you see that car, Spencer, I don't know if you were able to put that up on the screen at all of that car accident, but when you see what happened when you look at that car you wouldn't be surprised if the person driving it or any passengers he was the only car is dead and yet only not only is that person dead not dead uh playing on a pga level tournament and in contention to potentially win it on a sunday with his son granted it's not an individual event but still nothing short of miraculous and hats off to tiger woods really enjoy watching him and charlie and i'm really looking forward today to watching some golf i didn't believe i'd say that there's only 10 nfl nfl games and and uh so i'm excited about it and i'm planning to do that today i'll slip in the gold knights a little bit of pga golf got football a big day and speaking of football um the the Las Vegas Raiders were supposed to play yesterday in Cleveland it was funny because I saw on Facebook um one of the local news anchors here talking about how he got stuck in Cleveland for an extra couple of days because the game postponed due to COVID protocol Cleveland a bunch of players in COVID in there I go again in COVID protocol and because of that people think that is why Roger Goodell has made the changes he has made and I was looking to see if I could find them. But basically, people that are asymptomatic are now only going to have to get randomly tested for COVID, not like this regular daily tests anymore, trying to get more teams on the field. I mean, again, only 10 teams playing today. You had one game yesterday. You had a game Thursday. You got your games tonight. Then tomorrow you've got two games, and you've got two games on Tuesday. This is getting pretty crazy, Spencer. And you can't keep having short weeks in the NFL. That is one sport that you really need your body to recuperate and and it needs six seven days minimally to recuperate from one of those games you can't start having four and five days rest to to work around uh you know covet protocol well i'll tell you this I, i'm not an ignorant kid we know why they've made these policy changes it's not for player safety it's for the you know for money so when you make the changes to your covet protocols to say you know we're not going to be testing daily it has nothing to do with the players and like making sure that they're okay i mean they're just if you're vaccinated you're just not going to be tested that much meaning that you could just have covid and give it to everybody <laughs> but you know they're not testing so they're going to have less that. numbers the bottom line is all that matters to them which is fine you know i'm not going to act like i'm you know this crazy i'm so ignorant you know it's like like i get it they're a business and you know they have very rich owners who want to make even more money so they they found a way to do that 
and uh, they did. And uh, the Raiders will play tomorrow because of that. The Raiders are now last in the AFC West, which some people consider the toughest conference in the NFL this year. And arguably, it's, it's hard to argue with that. I mean, the Chargers are definitely a good enough team to be a playoff team. Kansas City is Kansas City. They have finally emerged from the smoke and playing football again. And man, they're not even playing their best offensive football. Believe it or not, it's defense that have kept them in games and won on this little win streak they've been on. Man, and now that we're seeing Patrick Mahomes come around, Travis Kelsey, Tariq Hill, this team is as dangerous as they've ever been this year. And, and of course, the Denver Broncos, over 500, man, a team that's surprising everybody. And the Raiders started strong, but the Raiders have lost, uh, you know, as we know, they've lost two in a row now, one in six in their last, one in six in their last seven games. How concerned are you, Spencer, for this team? Is there any shot at this team making a run at the playoffs? You said last year you thought they were going to find a way to win in Kansas City. Yeah. I didn't think so. And now that they've lost that game, they lost it pretty ugly, too. What do you expect the rest of the season? I don't think Rich Bisacci is the answer. I think it's going to be Eric Bieniemy will be the guy standing on the sideline next year for the Raiders. That's my opinion. Well, yeah. When I, when I was at KSHP doing my show, everyone loved when I went on to kind of like my Raiders rants, whatever you want to call them. And but here's the, I was just upset that people thought they were going to make the playoffs. That was really what made me so mad. And I was trying to point that out. So, you know, when I see the Raiders lose historically, it was a scoregami actually against the Chiefs, which is pretty interesting. Um, I, I'm not mad and I'm not disappointed either because these were our expectations for the team coming into the season. I think you said they were going to be a seven win team. I said they were going to be a six win team. And we're right. So how disappointed can you possibly be when they're living up to your expectations? Now, did they get a steal a few wins at the beginning of the season to really like get people's hopes up? Maybe. And maybe I even got my hopes up a little bit. But at the end of the day, seeing the way they're playing now, you know, we just knew this was going to happen. And and, you know, moving forward, I have no faith in this franchise because they've been bad and they've been ran, you know, very poorly for the past 18 years. So am I suddenly going to expect that to change in the offseason? The only bright spot to this team is their defense. And I cannot believe I'm saying that right now. Not to say that they're a top five defense or anything like that, but they actually have pieces that you can move forward with. But, you know, for me to say, you know, next year they're going to be better. No, because Mike Mayock is our GM and he still has that job. So I don't think it's going to get any better next season either. Well, he's going to definitely be in the hot seat next season. If he still maintains that job, it'll be interesting who the head man is. And no question, Spencer, defense, you have to give credit to. I mean, Max Crosby is playing his way into being one of the better defensive linemen in all of the NFL. And coming out of Eastern Michigan as an afterthought, pretty cool to see that. The defense has improved. The offense is, hey, to pardon Dennis Green's old statement. They are who we thought they were. I think the disappointment doesn't lie in their performance. It lies in the actions of Henry Ruggs, losing okay. him our net to lose two key starters on this franchise. team. And then, of course, what happened with John Gruden. That's the disappointment. If you have your head down, it's because of that this year. And real quick today, week 15, key matchups. Tennessee and Pittsburgh going at it in an early game. Nine and four, Tennessee. Uh, I won't say one of the surprises of the league, but you have to say losing Derrick Henry and still playing at this level they're playing at is pretty big the Bengals and the Broncos both seven and six teams huge game for both of those teams as far as any playoff implications go and the game of the day would have been the Packers 10 and 3 at the Ravens 8 and 5 but with Tyler Huntley more than likely starting for the Ravens that doesn't have the same appeal that it did and of course the Arizona Cardinals will try to help the Lions maintain front runner position for the number one pick in the 2022 draft as they invade Ford Field today can't see the Lions getting their second win in that game but uh interesting game in the NFL listen we're out of time Steph Curry did get the three-point record this past week congratulations to him the best the best shooter I've ever seen in the NBA I think we all have want to thank everyone for a great year Chris Magnum Chapman back in the studio Spencer the Wiz Ostrowski for doing everything he does for me I'm Brian Feldman this is out of line we will see you in January 2022 thanks so much have a great safe and happy healthy Christmas and a happy new year bye-bye